Wide receiver DK Metcalf was built in Oxford, Mississippi, constructed. I think his mom must have found old dinosaur bones, <laughs> put him together. He honestly looks like he's wearing armor. His legs and arms almost look too long for how big he is, which I know doesn't make any sense, but neither does DK Metcalf's body. Metcalf stayed in state for college, attending and playing football at Ole Miss, which I just Googled and found out is actually named the University of Mississippi. I never knew that. I'm strong enough to admit it. Did you know that? Don't you lie to me, you liar. God hates liars. DK Metcalf's injury shortened first season in 2016. He played two games, caught one football in each game, and both were for a touchdown. In 2017, redshirt DK played 12 games, caught 39 balls for 650 yards, and scored seven touchdowns. And in the seventh game of his sophomore season, DK Metcalf broke his neck. Broke it. Broke a vertebrae in his neck. The bone fragment came very close to piercing his spinal cord and paralyzing him. One doctor told him he'd never play football game. Another doctor told him he'd recover in six months. Not sure how that happens, but I, I quit being a doctor so I could host this podcast. So I shouldn't really comment here. It's a bit of a legal gray area. Anyways, as you might have guessed, DK chose to believe the doctor who was all like, Hey pal, you know what? Your broken neck... Not that big of a deal, man. So naturally, after neck surgery, DK Metcalf started working out aggressively, lifting weights, conditioning. In three months, the bone was reportedly healed. You know what? The further I get into this, more I don't believe it. But we got an intro to record here. Less than five months after the injury, DK Metcalf went to the NFL Combine, hoping to impress a scout into taking a flyer on a Logan Weapon X Wolverine super healer. Just before the last pick of the second round, the Seattle Seahawks general manager, John Schneider, called Metcalf's cell phone. Hey, how you doing? How you doing, bud? You good? You doing all right? Yes, hey, yes, man, sir. get fired up. We're going to make you a Seahawk right here, okay? <laughs> you all right, bud? All right, man, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, yeah, all right, look forward to this, brother, okay? Yes, sir, thank you. Metcalf burst into tears, understandably. Sure, he went from broken neck to making the NFL, but would he be any good at it? Well, again, in his first full season on the new team, DK scored seven touchdowns. And again, in week seven of his sophomore season, instead of breaking his neck, DK Metcalf made the play that made him a household name. Was it a touchdown? No. Was it a big-time acrobatic catch? No. A reverse, a flea flicker, a Hail Mary. None of those. DK didn't even touch the ball. With a first and goal from the three-yard line, Seattle Seahawks coach Pete Carroll decided against handing the ball off to a running back. Not a fan of doing that, Mr. Pete Carroll. Won't do it. So Russell Wilson took the snap and lobbed a pass, in air quotes. He lobbed a pass so softly to the corner of the end zone, One is only left to assume that the receiver targeted must have had badly burned hands from some sort of grease fire. Russell really had it laid in there, really soft. History says Wilson throws an interception in this scenario, and he did here again. And this time he lost one, and it's picked off at the goal line. That's Buda Baker. Buda Baker out in front. Can Metcalf track him down? Can he chase him down? 
Now, what you can't see here is that DK Metcalf, who started the play nearly 30 feet behind Buda Baker, runs so fast it appears he's on some sort of motorcycle. Does DK Metcalf catch Buda Baker? He almost passes the guy and then turns around and comes back toward him to make the tackle. And he does to save a touchdown. DK Metcalf, hell on wheels. This is first battle. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Neil, a.k.a. Gotham Coach, a.k.a. the Google Podcast, Joe Dumars. I don't know what that means either. Coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal Office Depot, big and tall executive suite desk chair. Today's episode could be sponsored by the 1995 Mercury Cougar XR7 in Burgundy. Want to smoke a cigarette in a car? Do it in this one. The 95 Mercury Cougar can stand up to it. Want to keep a baseball bat in the trunk? Knock yourself out. There's no rules in this car. You can do whatever you want, and you'll fly right under the radar because the 95 Mercury Cougar in Burgundy makes everything just fine. The positively insane chase down tackle of Buda Baker by DeKalen Zacharias Metcalf is quite clearly a great sports moment, but is it a first bout Hall of Famer? There's only one way to find out. We must go through our first ballot Hall of Fame credentials and see how it stacks up. And here to do it with me today is my very special guest. He was a TV writer on True TV's Hack My Life and MTV's Joking Off. He's created social content for ESPN, NASCAR, Onion Sports, Madden, DraftKings, and more. But you may know him as the creator and host of the wildly successful digital series, 60 Second Classics, which is now a podcast available on your favorite platform, too. It's the very funny Mike Camerlengo. Mike, thanks for being on the show. Neil, what what an intro. I I feel actually pretty good right now. (laughs) That's not going to last long here, Mike. (laughs) Mike, tell the audience where you're from. Uh, I am from Massachusetts. You'll be able to tell quickly from my slight accent. No, I did a pretty good job uh, getting rid of it when I used to audition for commercials. Um, <laughs> I would shove it down and be like, Skittles are cool. And and uh, But every now and then, when I, I've, I have had a beer and a half right now, so my tongue gets lazy when I drink. So you might hear it. I get it. Uh, go ahead and try to say something positive about the Celtics during this episode and witness the full <laughs> breadth of power of my editor Rob can unleash on this. I'll fill this whole goddamn episode up with sensor beeps. Do you understand me, Mike? Robert Williams uh, just had to get surgery. Um, <laughs> oh, no, bummer. that's leave that in, Rob. That's, that's, positive <laughs> that's bad news. news. That's bad no, news. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love that he waited to get surgery. Good thinking, Robert. <laughs> Uh, no, Rob, I I do want you to know, Mike, uh, I'll have Rob put, just f***ing lace this whole goddamn thing with sensor beeps. I could give a shit what the listening experience is like. Rob, put one here and here and here and here. I don't give a shit. I'll beep anything you say about the Celtics or any of those goddamn Boston teams. I just want you to know. Well, you know, I did, I just listening to you, I listened to the, uh, the episode with you and Gabrus yeah. talking about the helmet catch, yes, and I yes. almost drove off the road, so... <laughs> It was. It brought back painful memories, but you guys, you guys did a great job. You painted the picture. I felt like I was back there again. 
John is uh, John is podcast royalty. John is yeah. the, is the best, and the show is so funny. If you haven't watched it, check it out on True TV. Yeah, the so, uh, his travel show. Yeah, it's great. It's so much fun. Uh, he has a joke at the end of the first episode that's it's one of the hardest I've ever laughed in probably the last ten years, and it's it it cracks my rule of what real comedy is is when you can see the cameraman start to laugh. It's so <laughs> yeah. funny at the end. It's about his father who's passed, which is very sad, but he makes a very funny joke, and it's outrageous. So watch it on True TV. Um, uh, Mike, table set for us. What's your favorite sport? Your favorite team? And your favorite athlete of all time? Uh, favorite sport bas- uh football is one basketball's two got it baseball baseball's fading it used to be higher it's fading i like hockey i watch the playoffs i'm that guy got it. uh favorite athlete growing up nomar garcia i can't even say it without the accent <laughs> you know i haven't said i haven't said nomar garcia para's name since i ditched my boston accent so i'll just say it like i used to nomar garcia para uh growing up loved him tom brady who i'm sure you hate I just love watching the guy play. Um, he's, he's the best. He's the so, best you know, a guy who I like. But then when he retires, I'll, I'll reset and I'll pick some one of the younger guys. Well, so now hold on. If you have to choose between Nomar, and by the way, would you really? T- I Don't fuck around. I heard you sort of squelching your accent when you first said it. Say his name, that shortstop for the Red Sox. Say his name the way you would say it to anyone on the street as you were talking to them normally. Well, I would say Nomar, and then somebody around here would be like, "What the fuck do you say?" And I go, "Nomar." Like I would, I would just break back into it. it. But you know, it's funny. I haven't said so. There are certain words I haven't said since I was in like middle school, yeah. and when when I try to say them, my body just reverts to how I used to say them. It's funny. So that's why I just fucked up on Nomar because again, what's that R? It's not yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, Nomar. Yeah, yeah. Nomar. Totally but if I had to pick between those, I mean, yeah, you Nomar pick was between just, Nomar and Tom. I gotta go with Tom. I mean, he's okay. given he's given so much. Okay. Uh, Nomar, they they kicked out of town right before they won a ring. So, um, but I always I always loved him, man. He was great. He was he was ripped on that Sports Illustrated cover. I'll tell you that, or maybe it was ESPN. <laughs> I don't know. Right, so is uh, is uh, the Patriots then? Are they your favorite team? They are. They are. I love. I just love football. I love Sundays and you know doing all that. I love the Pats. A little bit of a. They'll be fine this year. They're not going to be good, but they'll yeah. be nine and eight, maybe, maybe. Were you a Patriots fan before uh, Brady made them uh, a dynasty? You know, one of the people I want to talk to on my podcast or in a video, mm-hmm. Drew Bledsoe. Give yeah. me Drew Bledsoe, baby. Yeah, yeah I loved – I loved. Uh, well, just because football was like big anyway, so you would always watch even if your team wasn't good. Like someone like my dad would be like, you're, you're, you're lucky. Right. I used to watch them when they were fucking 5 and 11 every year, which is true. People my age and younger are so spoiled with the Patriots. Yes. So if they go 10 – what were they, 10 and 9 last year? Uh, 10 and 9. 10 and uh, – how many games are 10 and 7 last year? Yeah. And people are like, you know, they suck. And it's like, all right, let's relax. So I was a fan, but I was – it wasn't that long I had to be. Uh, you know, until high school, they were pretty good. I want to be clear, as a Laker fan, I really just hate the Celtics. Um, I don't really care about the rest of the Boston teams. They don't really <laughs> register. As a New Yorker, I you know I would prefer that the Yankees beat the Red Sox, but I, I don't really care about the Red Sox or the Patriots. Um, it doesn't really affect me. I can I can acknowledge and admit that Tom Brady is – I don't even know that there's anyone even in the conversation for the best football player of all time. I don't think there's really a conversation. It's so rare – that you can genuinely say that. So uh, to me, he's had nothing. He's been nothing but impressive his entire well, career. Well, when I got to New York, I was I moved to New York in two thousand eight, 
2009-2010, that was when, you know, the Pats had won three Super Bowls, but that was when the Jets had those back-to-back playoff years. Right, yep. And you'd go into a bar, because you'd have to go to a bar to watch the Pats game. Right. And there would just be dudes going, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets. And I just, like, my blood was boiling so much. And it was great. Those were the golden years. Because that's when people would get in your face if you're a Pats fan or if you like Tom Brady, because it was still kind of undecided. They're like, oh, fuck that. The defense carried him or this or that. And then when like (laughs) Spygate and then when I remember I got into like a a verbal altercation with a bartender over Deflategate, which I think is the dumbest made up thing in the world. But anyway, I'm doing it again. But that was the last time I go, all right, I got to take it down a notch. I'm just going to be a fan and relax. Right. You're not going to, you know. So that that was my growth moment where I was like, my friends were like, dude, you all right? I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm like arguing. <laughs> I'm arguing with a bartender while I'm ordering a beer over something called deflate gate. Just pretty stupid. It's it, it, The older I get, the more I feel like I'm just a complete idiot for like the, the minute the Lakers put out a new jersey, I go, God, these jerseys suck. They look so <laughs> stupid. Why don't they just do a throwback to the actual jerseys they used to wear all the time? And I'm just like, hey, and then I'm like, wait a minute. I've now spent 45 minutes crafting this tweet that truly no one cares about. <laughs> it's not particularly well written. The number of people that care this much about sports jerseys is just like a tiny little audience. Like, I'm like, what am I doing with my life? How am I here? It's it's really a, a shame. I do that. Both doing. Yeah. Every time I make a video, I'm like, hey, let's make a video about Jaws 2. And people are like, this is funny, but why'd you do it? I'm like, I don't don't know. I don't know. Why do we all do anything? Who knows? (laughs) Mike, let's dive into our moment. I want to be clear here. This is something that, you know, heretofore is, it's not unprecedented. We've done it before on the show. But uh, DK Metcalf, this chase down tackle, is not something that Mike brought to the show and went, I have to talk about this. This is a moment that we're both neutral on. Neither of us are Seahawks fans. Neither of us are related to DK Metcalf. Uh, This is a moment that I am very interested to talk about. I think Mike would be the perfect guy to do it with. And here we go. To get into to decide whether this moment makes our first ballot Hall of Fame, we have to go through the Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge our moment. The first one is the analytics. People love stats. They love talking about numbers. Here are the analytics of this moment. Here are some numbers associated with this moment. Uh, and Mike, we'll, we'll get your impression on them. The 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 pass was intercepted by Arizona Cardinals cornerback. Buda Baker, great name. Baker had a whale that afternoon. 14 combined tackles, 11 solo, one tackle for a loss, and, of course, the interception in the 90-yard return. DK Metcalf was targeted five times that game as a wide receiver for the Seahawks. He made only two catches for 23 yards. That's interesting. Of course, he had the one tremendous tackle. To remind folks, stakes and situation could matter here. This was just a Week 7 game. Neither team ultimately made waves this season. And I'll keep going on that front. DK made the tackle, but his team, the Seahawks, lost this game in overtime, 37-34. So the play, while amazing, tremendous, did not affect the final score the Seahawks lost. Is that going to matter? We'll see. We'll find out. Uh, Here's the tale of the tape on DK. Actually, before we go on, Mike, how big do you think DK Metcalf is? Height and weight. 6'4". 235. That's exactly right. 64235, which to me. No, wait, sounds... are you fucking serious? No, it's exactly right. Holy shit. You know what? 
that dude is ripped and he runs like the wind. I can't believe it. <laughs> it's it. I think that, that those numbers are fucking bullshit. I, I can't believe for a second he's only 235 pounds. That guy looks like a goddamn uh, uh, pickup truck learning how to play football. Like it makes no sense. That's what's funny when you see these guys that are like so ripped and you're like, oh, they're the same weight as me. And it's like, no, there's <laughs> right. it's a little, it's a different kind of weight. <laughs> That's exactly right. How tall of a guy are you, Mike? I'm six feet, although my wife will say I'm 5'11", but I'm not. I'm six feet. Yeah. I'm six feet. I'm like 6'3", and, you know, I'm I'm in and around that weight, and I go, there's no way me and that dude are the same ballpark in weight. There's no goddamn way. Look at the way he looks. And you can see me. Nobody listening can see me, but you can see me, and you can see what I look like. It's ne- a Neil mess. Is- Neil's bench pressing 325 pounds right now. He's ripped. That's not true. It's really (laughs) embarrassing to hear that number. I think it's bullshit. I want everybody that's about that size to not feel bad because I think they're making shit up about DK Metcalf, the National Football League. Um, No, if those numbers are real, if those measurements are real, to me, it's truly like peak pinnacle construction. Like Mrs. Metcalf, DK's mom, fucking nailed it. Like she put every inch and pound in the exact right spot. That guy honestly looks like a god i really can't believe it i just really want to see dk metcalf do shit like i want to see him try things i i I don't know what he's good at but i go this guy a guy that looks like that should be good at anything that requires athleticism and so let's just run this guy out here and see how he does at volleyball can you imagine that dude spiking a goddamn volleyball yeah, they do like a pros versus Joes type thing, but yes, he's like but the Joe, and he'll yes. just like you know arrive to yeah volleyball, soccer. They're like, hey, you're the goalie now. He's like, fine, no problem, yes. I don't care. And he'll probably be great. Like I, I just presume he'd be pretty goddamn good at it, or at least impressively good at it. Um, that's that's our show. Uh, that's a Mike show right there. Watch DK it. play, and then there's like a thing. So it's yeah, like, hey, welcome to watch DK, DK play, play <laughs> soccer, and we're gonna watch that's him. It. That's 10 episodes right there. There you go. Let's go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Buddha Baker. Here's a stat. 4.4540 at the combine. DK Metcalf at the combine on his 40-yard dash. 4.33 at that goddamn weight, which is insane. 433. So <laughs> that's so fast. That's I just I can't even wrap my head around it. The fastest 40 ever. John Ross at the NFL Combine. He beat Chris Johnson running a 4-2-2, which is nuts. And what's crazier is John Ross weighs 188 pounds. DK Madcalf on Combine Day weighed 228 pounds. That's 40 pounds heavier than John Ross. DK Metcalf ran 4-3-3, John Ross 4-2-2. A tenth of a second, 40 pounds heavier. Now, I, I want to dive into this. I went to weightofstuff.com. <laughs> Where you have a subscription, of course. <laughs> <No>, You're <it's>... returning. <laughs> <laughs> Here are some things that weigh approximately 40 pounds. A medium bag of dog food. The average human leg. And an elephant's heart. Measuringstuff.com says 40 pounds is about a 55-inch Samsung smart TV. I'm not, I'm not fucking this up. This is all legit. And a basset hound. Now, you, I want you to imagine running a 40, holding any of those things, including an average human leg, and imagine it not affecting your time. That's what we're talking about with DK Metcalf here. What are your thoughts on his speed and his size and the combination of those two things? Well, uh, that's why they pay him the big bucks, Neil. I mean, he's <laughs> fucking huge. You know, any, any of these guys, first of all, that's, in, that's so fast. And he's 
Usually when you see a guy that fast, he's skinny, right. and he runs past people, and you're like, right. you don't want to send that guy across the middle because right. he will break his ribs, yes. and we don't want to do that again. You keep those guys on the outside. But DK, DK goes inside, goes outside, goes wherever. But just athletes in general, like these NFL guys, you see an offensive lineman, and if you're in decent shape as just like a person or whatever, you, you kind of have that thought of like, I could beat that guy in a race. Right. Right. And it's like, no, you couldn't. Unless right. you're an athlete, right. you couldn't beat the center of the Minnesota Vikings in a foot race. That's right. You just can't. Maybe he'll be close, but he'll beat you. Yes, right. So these guys are freak athletes. And then we get to wide receivers. You're talking about freak of the freak, a.k.a. the freakiest. Uh, <laughs> feel free to get a tattoo of that if you want. Um, and then DK, he's just he's amazing. He's got to be a great target to go to. I don't know why Russell Wilson wasn't looking at him. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the pass. I don't know if we're going to get into it now, but that's, that was the worst fucking pass I've ever seen. <laughs> it was just such a lollipop. And I, he obviously didn't see Buda Baker, which to your point, like you said, greatest name of all time. Great. Put that name in the hall of fame. That's right there. absolutely right. So I think, uh, yeah, just a terrible pass, but DK, uh, DK's got wheels, man. He really does. He's he DK goes wherever he wants. That's the take home from what Mike just said, and I completely agree <laughs> with him. He is just uh he's he's not even I can't believe he and I are in the same species. Like it's so funny to think about. I met Blake Griffin once and I put my I don't know why I, I can't believe I crossed this line now that I'm telling the story. I touched his shoulder. <laughs> which I don't, know, I don't know that was, I can't imagine there's a scenario where that was appropriate, but I did it. I touched his shoulder. Maybe I was laughing at something. He said, I'm a bit of a pusher when I laugh. Anyways, I touched his shoulder and it was like concrete. And I remember yeah. thinking that at the time and going, Oh, 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 that's the difference. Like you guys are like just completely finely tuned again, like just pinnacle peak construction. You just can't imagine it. It's 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 very easy for everyone to watch sports at home, pros versus Joe's again, and go, I can do this. Like I could probably beat that guy. And then you meet these dudes in person, and you're just like, how are you and I both considered men? Like it just makes no sense. I hope they they remember that when it's people tweeting at them that they suck and shit. I hope yeah. they're like, uh they yeah, that it. guy, when you touch his shoulder, it collapses. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we're not the same. We're just not the same. Uh, here are some more stats. DK Metcalf reached a speed of 22.64 miles per hour and traveled 114.8 yards to chase down Buddha on this 90-yard interception return. Buddha's top speed, 21.27 miles per hour. This is all from Next Gen Stats. Amazing stats there. Thanks to you, so Next Gen. Good. Buddha Baker's fucking flying. flying. He's going really fast. Flying. Yeah. And he still just fucking hunts him. Yeah. Uh, DK's 100 meter equivalent was 10.52, and I think uh, what's his name Usain Bolt was like under 10, but like a 10, you know, a 10 one, 10 three is like very, very good. So his 100 meter equivalent uh, during that race is, uh, was fantastic. And then I added here's the last stat: a very unscientific measurement. As you watch the play, if you haven't seen it, go to our Instagram at First Ballot Hof. I think DK, as he's running back, I think he's about to hit top speed at about the 20-yard line when he has to narrowly avoid a defender turn mm-hmm. blocker. I'd say He slows up just a bit. It's really kind of deft how quickly he sort of evades the guy and then gets back to top speed. It's, it's remarkable if you haven't seen it. I'd say he gets back up to top gear at about the 35. So... From the 35-yard line to the 25-yard line on the other side of the field is our unofficial 40-yard dash here. And yes, 
DK is starting that race at full speed. Like he's, I, I clocked him. I watched the replay and I clocked him going from the 35 yard line to the opposing 25 yard line. I clocked it with the stopwatch on my phone. Very unscientific. I did it three times. I took the average that 40 yards again, starting at, at top gear already in full speed. That 40 yards, he ran in an average of, by my stopwatch, 3.76 seconds. Woo! That's where you go, woo! Damn! <laughs> that is, I mean, yeah, if you see, you made a good point where he's kind of dodging. He's running through traffic. He's kind of, yes. he's trying to he's trying to catch the six train in New York City, and he's going back and forth. <laughs> and uh, that's a little uh, New York City joke for you guys. <laughs> There's a lot of people who live there. No big deal. <laughs> But he's he's pumping, dude. He's his arms. He's going full T one thousand, and he's yes. like kind of weaving in. And just to see how fast he's going, like Russell Wilson, who's decently fast, he can move. Yes, he's also trying to run and get him. That's right. And DK just blows by him, like blows not even by. close. Blows by him. That's right. To the point where you're like, oh, Russell Wilson just gave up on the play, but he oh, didn't. 100%. He was trying. Yeah, he 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 goes, and then he he hits a certain point where he realizes this dude's gone. And I would imagine. If you make millions and millions of dollars and you're famous and yes, you want to win, but like ultimately it kind of doesn't matter because you're already a millionaire and people love you and you'll probably eat for free in Seattle for the rest of your life. Does it, how easy would it be to quit on a play for me? I know the answer for me. Very easy. I'd quit in a heartbeat. I'd see that guy. I'd see Buda Baker up along the side and be like, I can't catch him. And I just quit. And DK Metcalf doesn't. That And that's just phenomenal to watch a guy go, I'm going to fucking give it my all here. How often have you given your all at something like Cameron Lingo? Um, I mean, 50-50. I mean, look, <laughs> if we're talking about intramural flag football, you know, I won a title junior year of college. I'm not oh. trying to brag, but, hey, you know, when you got to get up 8 a.m., and I'm just stiff arming fellow communications majors in the collarbone <laughs> because that's all I had going for me. But yeah, I mean, you throw a pick in one of those games, you go, yeah, I, I, I'm not chasing you. Yeah, I'm not chasing sure. you. I think I, DK maybe was running on anger. Maybe he's pissed he didn't get the ball, and he's like, Russell, why are you throwing that bullshit loopy loop pass? <laughs> it was a floater, dude. Henry Rowan Gardner. What was that? It was he. I guess if the defender wasn't there and there was no defense, it would be fine. But uh, he just didn't see him. That's a problem, Russell Wilson. Um, um, he's not short by like uh, by human standards, right. but by NFL quarterback standards, Tiny he's got to kind of see through those lanes. And right. he obviously was just like, I don't think anyone's there. He did the old, oh, I thought you called, and yeah. it was a fake out. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're onto something. I think maybe Russell Wilson thought that the defense was not there or had stopped playing defense completely because it's the only explanation for throwing that tiny little pass. Uh, the ball. next the next category, the next credential is our eye test. Mike, what did you see in this moment that stands out that might be the thing that tips the scales here and gets this moment to the first bell Hall of Fame? It's a very so, serious thing, the Hall of Fame. So you anything that you see here can be used to help make the case. So Buda Baker, like you said, he's fast. Super. He's a fast guy. He catches the ball running with momentum. Yes. He catches the ball heading towards the end zone. That's right. When DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf's not even really running an he's running like an in route, but it's it's towards the 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 field goal thing. Like That's it's right. towards the back of the end zone only. Right. He's at the front of the end zone, but he's running towards the back. So he has to kind of stop, plant, and turn. Totally. And then weave through a couple people. So yep. Buda Baker, fast dude, 
head start catches it at like the one yard line or at the goal line is already at the five yard line when DK even turns. DK is at the middle of the field. He's he's close to the hash. He turns. He kind of runs through because a lot of people just stand and watch and they're like, oh look, a fucking pinball machine is rolling down the street. It's kind of like that look where you're like, I can't do anything about it. What am I going to do? So, but he's like, I can stop that. I love Pac Man. So he ran. He goes (laughs) and he's like weaving in and out. When you watch this, the way he is pumping his arms. Yes. That is like, I got something to prove. Yes. That's not a, I'm a millionaire. <laughs> this would be nice if I caught him. This would be cool for my highlight reel. This is like, I'm going to get you, and you do not want me to get you. This is like a, a guy in a horror movie. You just get out of there. So just, and then, yeah, amazing. And then, like I said, Russell Wilson turns, he tries to go, and he runs in a way where I feel like he does give up. But he gets a little shoulder. A guy throws like a slight block, yes. and that's all, all he needs to kind of get him off track. <clears throat> but DK just keeps pumping. So you're you're exactly right. His um, DK's foot to pivot to go from I'm going towards back towards the goalpost as you mentioned to I'm going to plant and I'm going to turn around and head back the other way. His foot plants and pivots on the one yard line. Hmm. His toe hap- touches on the one yard line. He immediately finds a lane, and then it's just full knee drive arm swing. He's just pumping you mentioned it earlier you talked about uh robert patrick and t2 and i have that here in my eye test to me he just he looks like a predator dk is clearly hunting the it's like very rarely can you use the word locomotion and mean it but watch this play and watch this guy's locomotion he's got this insane like ability to generate speed from power it's as though if he were to continue running longer and longer, he would only get faster and faster. <laughs> it's like his engine is just getting up to top speed and you just got to let him go to sort of open it up a bit. It's really amazing. I, I, it's kind of miraculous to watch. It's it's the, the T-1000 thing, but T-1000 you know, famously runs with his kind of palms open. Right, right, right. DK, his clenched fist, it's like he's holding 25-pound dumbbells. Yeah. And he's just, like, letting that power him. (laughs) And he's going, (laughs) like, fucking rock'em, sock'em robots or something. (laughs) Like, they let him off. There's also another funny, a funny just, like, split-second thing where number 43 on the Cardinals... Right when the ball gets picked, he threw. He stopped. It's always so funny when someone just turns their body on a on a dime. He just goes from going one way, throws his arm, points to the other end zone. So yes. he's like, "Hey, we're going this way. way," and it's just so <laughs> funny. Like it's like if it was a movie, you'd go, "Oh, you put up your finger too fast." Right. You're like, right. Can "You just wait a beat until he right. catches it and right, goes." Right. right. But he's like, eh, right as the ball's getting cradled, he points and he takes off. And that's got to be a great feeling as a defender. Not even the guy that picked it, but just the guy who's like, go, go, go. And you're yeah, like yeah, following yeah. the play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all, great. It must be so much fun, particularly like if you get in the end zone. It's got to be a goddamn blast. Um, all of the words, like all of the synonyms for running, I feel like I used them all. I wrote them all down in my notes here as I prep for this. He's just hoofing it. DK is just absolutely hoofing it. It, you said T2, Robert Patrick T2, T1000. I thought Tom Cruise on the rooftop oh, yeah. of Mission Impossible Fallout. Just just a top speed. Just like I am going. Like I, My life depends on this and I'm going. Are there any other movie running scenes in movies? As a movie guy, Mike, are there any other movie scenes uh, where someone's running that you find reminiscent of the DK Metcalf chase down? 
Well, you could you said Tom Cruise. I mean, you could you could pick any Tom Cruise movie. You could do Tom Cruise and Vanilla Sky, where he's running through Times Square, right? Uh, Kind of like um, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where he's trying to get home. Uh, He's a little more chaotic, but it's the same thing. He's like, I gotta get home, and he's willing to do anything. Like this is the energy here. He's like. I'm, if I don't catch the bus, I'm going to be late for school, and then I'm going to get kicked out of school. I got to get to that bus. So it's like it doesn't even feel like he's in this game. It's like he's playing this thing where if he doesn't catch this guy, right. it's over, dude. They're, they're going to chuck him out of there. So It's perfect. It really does feel like life or death. I have one I want to pitch you. Have you seen The Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton? I haven't, no. Oh, my God. There's Sorry, a scene I know. That, no, it's quite fine. There's a scene with... T- Tim Roth, who ends up being the abomination, and it's after he gets his super serum shot, but before he becomes the abomination, and he's running away from the Hulk, and he just absolutely, he just goes hell bent. It's like a very funny thing because it's just believable enough to watch in terms of of an effect that you look at it, the scene and you go, God damn, this dude's cooking. And it's the same thing with Captain America in Infinity Wars uh when he's running it's that battle they're like you know they open up that fucking orb fence gate and they're letting through those (laughs) monsters and then captain america is just absolutely booking it just absolutely charging at these dudes those scenes are just uh to me are the things i think about when i watch dk metcalf running and again dk metcalf very much a real thing captain america very much not very much supported (laughs) by industrial light and magic and the people at marvel uh, uh movies and pictures uh, but really reminiscent of it, uh, and I appreciate that. The other thing I, I noticed: there's a true blue double take as uh, Buddha Baker turns and sees, "Oh shit, this guy's behind me." He looks back and sees him, and then immediately looks back and goes, "Oh my god!" And then he kind of like halfway puts out that stiff arm and then decides against it. It's very—he looks scared in that moment. It's a lot of fun to watch Buddha Baker. Yeah, I feel like you, you see him kind of throw up his arm, and it's it's almost like an instinctual thing where you go out and you see like a bunch of bees, and you're like, "Get the fuck away from me!" Like he, I feel like he just looked back and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" And his arm just kind of shoots up for a second, and then he knows he's kind of screwed. And and DK, I, I feel like a lot of times, especially in these long plays, somebody would chase somebody down. And maybe it's an optical illusion when you're watching on TV, but a lot of times they seem close. And you go, dive, dive, dive. And they kind of just follow them into the end zone. Yes, yes, But DK does not do that. He lays out. He (laughs) lays out. And his body, his momentum, I don't even know. I mean, obviously he tries to, but all he has to do is lean forward and pick up his foot. And he just flies into Buda Baker, makes a great form tackle. And yeah, I don't think Baker knows really what happened. I mean, his teammate... Which is hilarious. I never he like picks him up and brings him into the end zone, uh, even though he's clearly been tackled. tackled like yeah. I don't know, you know, like when a play gets challenged, you're like just score just in case. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. like you don't do that if you've been tackled. You don't <laughs> yeah. have to score just in case. He really so. crumbles there. It's it's it really is. It's not like uh, this like leap to try and get the guy. He just swallows him, and and Buda Baker crumbles under the weight of this guy. It's really remarkable because he doesn't t- and he doesn't hit him like on the shoelace. He doesn't grab his leg. He basically wraps him up around his lower back That's waist right. area. That's right. So he's on his back. He's he hits him with that Jansport tackle. He's right there, <laughs> you know. So it's like you to really catch up to somebody. He's just incredible. He wasn't going to dive until he knows he had him. <laughs> the next credential is our ear test, Mike. What did you hear in this moment? Did you hear anything? Usually we talk about the calls, so let's listen to those now. Al Michaels and Chris Collingsworth. Let's listen to it together. And this time he lost one and it's picked off at 
the goal line. That's Buda Baker. Buda Baker out in front. Can Metcalf track him down? Can he chase him down? And he does to save a touchdown. Now, Al Michaels, pretty nuts and bolts there. He's the, you know, he's the play-by-play guy, so he's describing this for people that, I don't know, I guess aren't don't have their eyes open if they're watching television. Not my favorite call, but I think Al Michaels is a legend. But let's listen to Chris Collins afterwards. Mm-hmm. But watch the play here by DK Metcalf. He is flying down the field. Baker thinks he's going to walk into the end zone, and Metcalf just refused to let it go. This, it was unbelievable how much ground he made up. That had to be 10 yards on a very fast Buda Baker, and he just tracked it down. Inspired. Chris Collinsworth, as far as I'm concerned, as good as it gets. Me too. I feel like he gets a lot of shit, or maybe he used to, yeah. but I think he's great. The amount of times where a play will happen, and he'll already tell you what That's happened right. on the left That's side right. of the line or something, yep. you're like, wow, he really sees the whole game. Yep. So I thought this was, I mean, I honestly thought it was a pretty good call by by uh, Michaels, because he's not that guy. He doesn't see the whole play, right. and he, he does a great job of being excited about the pick right. and, and, and the action that's happening. His right. voice rises. You're like, yep. oh, something big is happening. Um, and, but then you hear Collinsworth at the end, of, as that play's coming to an end, he goes, whoa, Baker. Like he's, He understands what's happening. That's and right. then not even missing a beat. This isn't like coming back from commercial and being like, oh, right. I heard that, uh, that yep. DK Metcalf was over here. Right right after he gets tackled, he goes right into, look where he came from. That yep. was an amazing... So he, it turns into... It, it goes from Buda Baker made a, a great pick. I mean, a pick, whatever. To right away, Collinsworth shifts it and goes, this was DK Metcalf doing this. So I thought it was as good, almost as good as it can get. I mean, that's all you want Al Michaels to do. He kind of set it up and Chris Collinsworth took it. He really... That's that's a great point. A great point. Uh, and I think there's something as I was watching this, and I, you know, this is going to come up a couple times here in this episode, is... I'm really fascinated by how good at celebrating moments the NFL is. And I think it has something to do with the fact that the, I just ran 80 yards and I, t- I got tackled and now all the teammates have to get reset and you got to move the change and the refs have to come down. Like there's time built into the game where Collinsworth can immediately sh- – and you make a great point – Collinsworth isn't like fishing for words. He dives right into that. He dives right into breaking down how amazing this athletic feat was and how great the play was. And I love him finishing with inspired there because it was, and that's Mm -hmm. what connects people to this place, this play rather you're blown away by the freak show nature of it. And I say that with respect, but it is a absolute freak show. But deep down, you go, God damn, that guy would not give up. And that's what I feel like connects us as fans to a moment like this. It's really remarkable. And I think Collinsworth, he's not Madden, so he'll never be appreciated like a larger-than-life character. And he doesn't have, like, his name doesn't have that that cachet of, like, a Tony Romo. But to me, Collinsworth is as good in his field as anyone else's in theirs. Yeah, he's great. I always love when Collinsworth's on a game and and – you know, people always have a problem with any announcer, like, oh, they hate my team right. or whatever. But I think right. Collinsworth is, I think in recent years, he's really kind of gotten the respect he deserves. Um, prior to that, maybe I feel like people used to hate on him a lot, but it's a great call. It's, it's, uh, it's what you want. And to your point, it's what makes football, watching football at home so good. Yes. Football, unless you're doing like a big, uh, tailgate or something, football is so much better to watch on TV. Like if, if you go to a football it's- game, you don't realize there's 35 seconds in between play. That's right. Like a play will happen and you'll be like, oh, okay. 
and there's just nothing. Right. That people are huddled up. You're not seeing the replay. That's and that's right. fine, again. But I feel like a sport like basketball is so much better. You kind of feel the flow and the flow. Uh, but but football, it's like such a great show. It's a show. It's a great thing to a, watch on television. You nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. I couldn't agree more. I'll be goddamn. You know, you watch a play like this, and you're like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And as I'm researching for this, I'm like, of course the NFL nails uh, uh, deepening my appreciation of this moment. They always do it. They're they're mm. honestly untouchable at it. The league isn't perfect by a mile, but the NFL's production arm and their media partners are at least partially responsible for making the NFL the most successful media property that has ever existed on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Make no bones about it. That's what's up for grabs here. It is the most successful media property that has ever existed or likely ever will. The numbers are staggering, and they do it every week with damn near every game. And then you get to the playoffs, and it just takes off. It's truly sta- – it's it's. I can't even wrap my head around it, and I work in this goddamn business. <laughs> and, yes, the violence of the sport attracts people. But these production partners are not just along for the ride. They add to it every single week. They've got all the cameras. They've got all the mics. They're just so good at it. My hat is off to those men and women. You are absolutely right. It is a phenomenal show. It's a great sport. It's a great live viewing experience. But on television, it is untouchable how good it is. It's really amazing. So, as of course, as I'm getting ready and prepping for this episode, I'm looking for moments and looking for videos and, and news bits about this. And, of course, Buda Baker is mic'd up for this moment. <laughs> of course he is. Let's listen to that together. How'd he catch my ass? What the f***? That's what I'm talking about. He ran you down. He ran me the f*** down. I'm trying to tell you to run that It was just me, you Y'all and you. Y'all ain't telling me he was around me. I'm behind you. Y'all ain't telling me he was behind me. Hey, what's that right there? I mean, that's just... It's just so awesome to hear a guy get burned like that and for him to be like, "How the where the fuck did he come from and why didn't you all t- to start blaming other people? And obviously he's being a little facetious there, but there's just a little bit of realness there too. Like it's just so amazing that they have that content that, and they play it within the game after the game and you just go, oh my God, this what a great moment, what a great sport. The NFL just nails it. Yeah, that's funny. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Um, the the mic'd up thing. Yeah, it's uh, amazing. And he, it's he's talking to Pat Patterson, another cornerback, and they're sitting on the bench again. If you haven't seen it, it'll be on our Instagram at First Ballot Hof. And he's like, "Why didn't you tell me he was behind me?" <laughs> and it's just it's so funny to watch these guys like admit that they got God. And I don't know, it's just amazing. And of course they have that footage, and of course they have that microphone on him. It's just perfect. So well, you know good. what they the NFL does well, and I think you mentioned it up top here is they have all these stats and ways to measure things like I, they did it the other night i don't know if you saw uh, kyler murray's two-point scramble he I like did, yeah. runs around Amazing. for 20 seconds and they go yeah. it's 20 second scramble he ran a total of 85 yards Amazing. and they show the chat uh the the chart and it's like that's like such a cool little specific yes. where you don't have to yes. be a stat head right to understand that yep. oh 85 yards running 85 yards on a two-point conversion is pretty wild <laughs> yes and so the same thing with with this it's like he ran what 25 miles an hour yeah. he ran 105 yeah, whatever it, it really they're they're so good at it and 
And I know that basketball fans a lot of times will talk about how how narrative based the NBA is, and it's I'm having a hard time disagreeing with it anymore. The NFL is just so good at going. Here's this play. Let me tell you why it was amazing. Don't you want to appreciate this and do it with these, you know, these these gentlemen and uh, that are that are calling the games, and you you know if you, they feel like you're your family and you're celebrating the moment, and then you get to watch the rest of the game. They're just it's man, it's so good. It's it truly. The, the more I do this show, the more I realize that the NFL as a media property is just it's a, a it's a gigantic monster for a reason. It's this isn't like by chance. This isn't as a joke. It's not just about the violence. They're so fucking good at it uh, again. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and then if you if you if you ever watch anything about like TV ratings or something, it will be like, you know, game three of the NBA finals got however million people. And then they'll be like, that was week two of the preseason. That's, right. That's exactly right. Uh, Dallas versus the Eagles. And you're like, oh, what? What the hell? <laughs> and it's like, just people, everybody. The NFL is like, uh, it really is as close to a everybody going to church on Sunday yeah. kind of thing we have in this country. Like, it's almost like at it's i almost said it's almost like an award show it's way bigger than an award show at this point but but it's like that thing where everyone's watching this thing on sunday and i think you know we'll i'm sure we'll get into it but i think another thing that makes this play so great is that it was sunday night football and sunday night football like monday night football like any of these night games like everyone's Mm -hmm. watching Mm -hmm. um so does this moment pop as much if it's like a 1 p.m game it's blacked out in several markets i don't know i'm not sure I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it it really is. Um, it's remarkable how good they are. You know, you you like you think about like a great um, season finale of like a show that everyone's talking about online, and you look at their numbers and you're like, you know, it does you know five million view, you know, five million viewers of a great. Th- that is legitimately like the Browns and the Lions on like right. week two for that means nothing like an NFL playoff games. I think they're in like the 20 million or 30 million viewers and there's four of them over one weekend and they do that every single year forever. And, and that's not the Super Bowl and that's not the other 16 weeks. It's just you can't even comprehend how successful the NFL is. And it's great. I know a lot of people will like hate on the NFL and hate football. And I realize it's dangerous and I'm not in love with, with uh, uh, the, the, the fact that NFL and, and football in general was sort of put out as this like American, you know, treat and, and, and people gather on the <laughs> televisions and cheer for this thing. That's inherently insanely violent and damages people's lives. But you have to, at a certain point, appreciate and recognize how successful it is and start asking yourself, why is it so successful? And the truth is, is it's a an amazing sport presented in the most incredible way. And these athletes are amazing and the teams have these strong fan bases and they're really rooted in the city cultures. And it just goes on and on and on. There's something to learn from the NFL, certainly. Uh, the next category is you mad. Rob, play my camera on clip here. I love it when anybody's mad at a moment. I don't think anybody's mad at this. You'd think that Buddha Baker might be mad, but he wasn't. Here's Buddha on the Pat McAfee show. Listen to this. You know, I, I could honestly say I've never been caught from behind before. So I was never worrying about who was behind me. I'm only I was only worrying about who was in front of me. So I see Russell get the ball. I'm like, all right. It's nice. Beat Russell. I'm good. Next thing you know, I kind of hear some footsteps. And um, I finally look up in the Jumbotron. And I'm like, this dude is is, is coming up on me fast. <laughs> <laughs> it's i it's i i i can't help but feel like this moment is given extra weight 
because of how much of a gentleman and how much fun Buda Baker seems to have with it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, that's what you want. You don't want the guy to be like, oh, he wasn't even trying. I didn't, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, man, you ever get caught by someone running really fast? <laughs> like, everyone can relate to that. I, I think it's funny, too. I never, I always forget this, but yeah, they have the Jumbotron on. Like, you can yeah, see. That's right. So he's like, that's what you, you do see, guys, when they're running and they're breaking yeah. away. They look up, look up. and right. they're looking at the Jumbotron. Um, if anyone's mad, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, Maybe Seahawks fans, because once again, they just didn't run the ball and at the two-yard line. Uh, I don't know. Just a bad goal line. Just a, Again, I just can't get over the ball. It's a bad... Look, as a former washed-up high school quarterback, I got to say, you can't throw that. You can't throw the ball in the flat like that unless you know you got a guy. So, you know, it didn't cost anybody the game. Wait, who won the, the Seahawks? No, the oh, Cardinals so won. The Cardinals won. Yeah. So... There's yeah, so they left points on the board there and and that so, but as a long lasting thing, like it's not like a like to reference you and Gabrus's thing again. When I was listening to you guys talk about the helmet catch, I was mad. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Take the turn this shit off. But I think if you're a Seahawks fan, you're not like, oh, I don't want to hear about this. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, that was cool. I remember watching that. Just yeah. would have been nice if he didn't get tackled. But <laughs> who cares? Who cares? Right. <laughs> Uh, Mike, how did you come up with 60-second classics? Uh, and you also, you're not just doing 60-second classics about sports moments. You're also doing it, condensing your favorite movies. How did you come up with the concept? It started as a movie thing. I thought it was, um, I was playing around with Snapchat, and I was uh, I was just messing around with it, and I pointed it at the TV, and Rudy was on, and I was yeah. like, I was like, hey, like I was kind of doing like a character. I was like, hey, this little fucking guy, he stinks. Like he stinks. And my buddy was like, oh, you should do more of that. All I need is one person to tell me something's funny. (laughs) (laughs) So then it started as like a character. I kind of became this like Boston guy who's like, the whole premise was like guy at a party who's like kind of drunk telling you about a movie. Right. And it was fun and it was good, but I feel like you kind of ran out of things. So then I was like, what if I just became more myself and just kind of like, how would I tell you about Jaws right. like in 60 seconds? Right, like just right, quick, right. I'll yeah. bang it out. So I, I I did Jaws. I did a couple early ones just as kind of a way to like throw in my portfolio for lack of a better word, like to just to pitch myself sure. as a writer yeah. and performer. And they kind of started to take off. So people would request ones. And, Ugh. you know, if someone's being like, hey, you're so funny, I'll be like, oh, really me? Who, me? Like, <laughs> you know, I'll do a couple more. So um, and then I started doing like breakdowns where i would kind of break it down like a football coach and then then i started doing sports and then i i uh so now i I kind of weave in and out of both worlds if if there's a funny movie or uh just a movie in general where i could kind of add something thank you i appreciate it they're fun to do and i think you know it's kind of my way of again showing off my writing and performing and just looking at an old movie in, in a little bit of a different way if you haven't seen them, go to his social, go on YouTube, search 60 Second Classics, watch the 60 Second Classics, watch the breakdowns. If you think, it, and leave yourself some fucking time, because if you think you're not going to tear through a bunch of them, good fucking luck. There's no way you're going to watch one or two of these things. I ripped through 20, 25 of these <laughs> things. I mean, truly, you just can't stop watching them. There's so much fun. Uh, can we play one of these uh, right now? I wanted to play yeah. one on the show. Do you mind? Oh, absolutely. The truth is, is you doing the 60 seconds of comedy will be better than 60 seconds of me saying fucking anything. So <laughs> I wanted to play one of these. I did have a hard time picking which one to play, but because this is a purely audio format, I wanted to play one that people can envision. So I went classic movie, The Karate Kid. Let's listen to this. Hold on one sec. 
Damon LaRusso moves from Jersey to California and thinks he's going to crush it when a roided-up Zach Morris lookalike hits him with a welcome to the OC, bitch. Dana doesn't care and shows off some dope-ass knee juggling, which in the 1980s was code for my mom's out of town on Saturday. You want to do sex? Johnny and his crew don't like that and use their dirt bikes to drive Danny Boy off a cliff to his likely death. But he survives and at the Halloween dance he gets back a skeleton Johnny by spraying water on him as he's doing the old get high, pinch a loaf. The boys are about to uppercut Daniel into heaven when the neighborhood repairman pops out of nowhere and is like, I don't care if I'm going to be on the local news. I'll work a bunch of 17-year-olds right now. They figure out a truce and decide to settle things like gentlemen at a sanctioned karate tournament by the strip mall. So Mr. Miyagi teaches Daniel the good shit by making him paint a fence, wash his car, and pretend he's in the opening credits to a Cinemax flick called The Boy Down the Street. At the tournament, the Cobra Kai shitbags decide to cheap shot Daniel, and we get lots of great tight shots of a dude who is 100% banned from Bennigan's. Daniel gets hurt and may have to forfeit when he asks Miyagi to use his special healing hands. And Miyagi's like, okay, dude, but this is on the record, right? I don't want to see anything in the papers about weird touching. I was already on Channel 4 for crushing that kid's voice box, and I'm getting a bad rap. So he does it, and Daniel hits Johnny with a crane kick to the face, and that dude's like, hey man, sorry for all the attempted murders it's hard to move cross country you deserve happiness <laughs> <laughs> thank you for playing that uh you can go to 60secondclassics.com as well if you'd like to listen there's i think i have 150 videos which is there's um, you, probably there's too no, many but <laughs> no, no there's no fucking chance you won't rip through a bunch of these so give yourself time bookmark do people bookmark websites anymore i, I don't, don't even know if, i don't even know if people go to websites anymore but 60 <laughs> second classics because you know you put them on social but they all get lost the amount of people time people are like hey do the karate kid i'm like dude i've done i've like reposted this like 40 times <laughs> like uh but so yeah 60 second classics.com i i yeah you can spend two hours on there um for sure so i appreciate it thank you yeah that's actually one of the ones i I'm very proud of. That's one of the early ones too. And also, you got. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm just savagely butchering this, playing the audio. But you got to watch it with the visuals because it's so funny. I'm sure you can envision most of these things. We've all seen the movie, right? That's actually Karate Kid's my favorite movie. The guy who was banned from Bennigan's. Uh, that's Martin. Cole. That's that's Crease, baby. That's yeah, right, of course. So uh, you did a 60 second classic on the inside of the NBA, and they played it on the show. What was true. it like to have Ernie and Chuck talking about something you made? You know, it was. It was uh, funny because I did it for them. They reached out. One of the executive producers wanted me to do something for them, and I didn't know when they were going to play it. So right. I watched the first. Ep- you know, they had a double header, so I watched yeah, yeah, the yeah. first game and whatever, and it didn't come. And I'm like, oh, maybe they'll play it uh, next week or whatever. And I went to sleep, and then I woke up with so like I had a text funny. from my dad, and he's like, they loved it. It was great. <laughs> so I still have it. Like Ernie Johnson is the man because the man. he he took. Uh, he really wanted to say my last name correctly, and yes. I he they had me send a voice memo of like this is what my name is, and he you could tell he was like concentrating. He said right. Camerlingo. He spelled it. He gave my Twitter account. He said Amazing. to Barkley that it's so funny, and Barkley's like I gotta check that out. Uh, Charles still waiting for you to you know reshare <laughs> one of those, but but it was uh it's 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 one of the one a top moment for me, and one that I will always send along when there's like a. A writing job or something. Amazing. That's what's funny about Inside is you'd think you want to be played early, maybe between the games at halftime of one of the games. No, no, no. The best spot in Inside the NBA is end of the show. And I can't mm-hmm. remember the name of the bit now. What's it? What is it that he calls it? Uh, EJ's Neato Stat of the Night. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> where you want to be. That's the thing that when you, when you have a bit in that segment of the show, it's the thing that becomes – classic in that show and uh, uh that's amazing that that they played it and talked about it they are very gracious guys um to, yeah to it was great everybody over there was great and uh it was re- it was really cool that they reached out and really cool that they kind of let me do my thing with it and they seemed to like they said the guys loved it so it was it was definitely a a, a high watermark for me it was cool 
the next credential, let's get back into our moment. The next credential is our devil's advocate. Here's the devil's advocate take against this moment being in the first Bell Hall of Fame. There was no stakes, and the Seahawks lost the game. That's it. That great play didn't matter to the final score, and the Seahawks went nowhere. The team that won went nowhere. It literally had no impact on the game except for in that moment, or pardon, in the NFL, except for that moment and everyone enjoying it, but it had no stakes. That's the, that's the strike against it. Is there anything else you can think of here, Mike? No, I mean, you, that's right. I mean, it's a regular season game. It doesn't really matter. It didn't matter for either of these teams. It didn't decide a playoff spot, I don't think. No. Um, it didn't, like you said, the Cardinals won. So it didn't matter that Buda Baker got tracked down. That's right. It doesn't really matter. So I guess the question is, like, can you have a Hall of Fame moment without, you know, can you be in the Hall of Fame without winning a championship? Charles Barkley's in the Hall of Fame. He never won a championship. So it's like, it's a different level probably, but I still think, so that's my only takeaway. I mean, it's an outstanding individual play. If this happened in the Super Bowl, it would be definitely elevated. Yeah, yes, of course. But because it happened on Sunday Night Football, I think right. it does still True. have, because everybody, every football fan knows Is this game. This. Yes, exactly. And, and if you say DK Metcalf, they will bring up this moment, top 100%. three, definitely. Yep. And for so, that, for, for, a, for a defensive play to be something that you definitely remember as you're talking about this incredible offensive player is special. That's a, that's something that's a feather in its cap. That's a vote in its favor of making the hall. But listen, the halls. This is no fucking joke. We got to make sure this thing. <laughs> if it's gonna get in, it's got to be one of the best. That's we're taking this thing seriously. The next credential is the test of time. This is when we compare this moment against other moments like it. Let me walk you, Mike, through some of the great chase down. Uh, defensive plays in the I, history of sports. I got one for you. Oh, wait, I you probably wait to... have it. Well, you tell me. You go, please. Okay, Ben Watson yes. chasing down that's Champ right. Bailey. Of course, you fucking Boston prick. Of course, that's what you're going to bring <laughs> that, up. That's a touchback. It's a t- that's what I was yelling at the TV. Touch, it was a fucking touchback. But that but, but that's came to my mind right yes. away. And that was a playoff game, but I remember how things swung so much sorry i'm stepping all over your thing but i no, remember no, i was like this is exactly i was what watching like. watching that and it was similar in that ben watson comes from the other side of the field far champ, side of the field champ bailey's running down the sideline i don't remember if he slows up or not but ben watson comes through and just fucking and it's so close yes. to having that ball go out of the corner of the uh the back of the end zone but you can't really tell yes. and so they just mark him down at the one yard line um it, uh, it's it's also similar to this play not just because it's a chase down, but because Ben Watson absolutely blasts Champ Bailey as mm-hmm. well. Uh, and Champ, again, a phenomenal Hall of Fame uh, cornerback. It's not like he did it against some you know second stringer. This is one of the best to ever do it. And Ben Watson truly comes on the far outside and really just tracks him down right at the goal line. And this was the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. Is yeah, that it was correct? the playoffs. Yep, yeah, it was the playoffs. I really do think that is the play to compare this to. And so I ask you, Mike, which is the better chase down play? Because the question we need to ask ourselves today, if you put one chase down tackle into the first belt hall of fame, and we know Ben Watson's might be better. Are we really putting two chase down tackles into the first belt hall of fame? 
we have to be ever vigilant about what we put into this <laughs> hall because I don't want it to become compulsory. Like the other halls, are, they're like, oh, it's that time of the year and again, time to induct a bunch of people into this building just to make news so we can drum up business and get visitors to come here. That's what Hall of Fames have become, but this is not. We're unencumbered. We don't have a brick and mortar place. I don't need to pay rent. This is a podcast. We can only put, we, we only have to put in the best stuff, the stuff that truly matters matters so which is the better play ben watson or is it dk metcalf uh kevin falk is running so fucking fast he's trying so hard <laughs> and just to bring it back to t- uh, to t1000 he dives out and with yes. his right arm it's like when t1000 throws his little hook into the back of the car <laughs> so he, he goes and he tries to throw his arm out and just hits the ground i think a, like if these both happened at the same time I think this one because it was the playoffs, but I know, but that happened. That happened ten years ago, 2015. I guess my question is like, does does if if you're just a neutral NFL fan, right? Do you remember that play, the Ben Watson chase down? That's and to that point, question. to answer a question with a question, will yeah, you remember yeah, yeah. DK Metcalf in eight years? Well, I think what gives it the advantage, DK. This is a great question. I think what gives DK a slight advantage is the meme stuff. It gets made into a bunch of memes. That's how I, I did not watch this game. I did not watch this Sunday night game. I'm sure I was doing something very important and glamorous, uh, but I didn't see the game. I I saw it from the meme and I was like, what the hell is that? And then immediately went and rewatched the play and, and was blown away by it. But I, to me, I think that could be the wrinkle here is that DK is sort of a social media darling. He's a freak. He made this incredible play. It became a meme. And I think that might give it like a, a extra year. So I think strangely DK is more memorable, but the stakes and the, the athleticism behind the play it's equal in Ben Watson. I think the stakes might raise it. They're neck and neck. And I think that's, this makes it, an interesting question is, am I putting in multiple chase down tackles here? Listen, we're going to have to keep going and, and see how this is going to wind up. I, I, I'm going to hedge a little bit and say that aside from Kevin Falk doing that awesome dive and you see Brady kind of just pull. Brady does the I'm too fucking famous for this shit. Right. <laughs> pull up. He pulls up. So aside from that, though, it just looks like Champ is being escorted by two of his guys into the end zone. Right. So once he crosses the 40, he's just going in the line of fire right clint eastwood's taking him and he's running down there (laughs) and then out of nowhere ben watson comes diving in so on it's like on the replay ben watson's is better but the thing that makes dk metcalf's better is because you're what you can see the whole thing happening unfolding yes Yes. you know you see it all you go holy shit look at him and he's chasing him and you're (laughs) going go go and you're going don't fumble don't fumble don't fumble (laughs) where's the ben watson (laughs) thing you just go no what the fuck right what the fuck? Like yes. it was like two what the fucks. So I think, uh, yeah, I think that kind of gives it an edge. You're you're in the play yourself. I I didn't know when I started this how much the production of the shows mattered, but it completely changes your impression of the moment. You're absolutely right. You are with DK. You're watching him, and then even on like the aerials, which are amazing, the aerial shot of the of DK's play, it's on Buddha, and he's like home free he's just there's no one else in the frame it's just buddha and green grass and then all of a sudden this dude comes flying up from the bottom of the frame and you're just like oh shit like every <laughs> angle of that play is just amazing nfl nil. it looks like a relay race like he looks like he's about to pass it <laughs> off you know here, here are a couple other great chase down blocks i had a lot of fun researching this and watching these plays here's the first one 
from Larry Allen. Dallas oh, yeah. Cowboys offensive lineman Larry Allen. Let's watch this together. Under five minutes left in the half, and that's not in the air and picked off by Darian Connor. And Connor is inside the 40, the 30, oh. and tackled at the 16-yard line. Larry, Larry Allen. Allen. I can't believe that. Give me a break. The rookie from Sonoma State. This guy weighs 325 pounds. Wayne Martin battered it. We think Darian Connor with the pick, and Allen saves the touchdown. I can't get over that. He runs down a very speedy linebacker. A little bit of an angle, but this is <laughs> I can't. a huge man. <laughs> this guy's got a rocket booster strapped to his back. All right, there's the bat by Martin. Right into Con Allen is still standing there. There he is to the left of your screen. He didn't even get a running start at it. Look at this, folks. 6'3", 325 pounds. His arm's like a sprinter. I'm telling you, that's one of the most impressive athletic feats I have ever seen. Deardorff kills it. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, that's who that was? Yeah, Dan Deardorff. An immediate reaction. Uh, he's just, That was just amazing. And I love how people are prone to overreaction. Not that this was... But in that moment, you're overwhelmed and you start saying things like, this is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And yes, upon reflection, might you recant? Sure. But I say, fuck it. Let it rip, baby. Let that emotion, let that excitement wash over you. Larry Allen was incredible in that moment. And I appreciate Dan Deardorff giving us both barrels. Yeah, I mean, him just almost immediately going, well, this is your instinct. He, he just immediately goes, that man is 325 it's pounds. Crazy. You're like, yeah, that's what you would say. You go, whoa, that's a big boy. <laughs> yeah. And he's, um, yeah, the other guy, the guy, first of all, you just played a clip and those guys' shoulder pads, I miss them. I need the big <laughs> shoulder pads back. Troy Aikman, by the way, looks the exact same as he does now. He, he does. just is always Troy Aikman. Timeless. So that was a great play. That's a, that was a hell of a hustle. Uh, Don Beebe gets a lot of shine here. Don Beebe's chase down in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. He is running down a giant lineman in Leon Lett, so it's a slightly less impressive. He does strip the ball instead of, again, swallowing the dude like DK does. Uh, I th I think another moment – I think you nailed it with the Ben Watson thing. I appreciate you coming up with that, you Boston asshole. I think the <laughs> other moment to compare it to Julio Jones on Quan Alexander, if you've seen that play. By the by, all of these chase downs will be on the Instagram Julio has to sort of really like stutter and stop and like pick his way through the defenders because all of these dudes on defense that are now blocking are just looking to clean the clock out of any offensive dude. And uh, DK like really sort of picks and finds his, his way through the crackbacks and then just goes total horse mode and catches Quan, who just gives up on the play. That's another play that I think this is similar to it's it's interesting because as I watch DKs, I go, amazing play. I can't believe it. That's so incredible. And then once I start researching, I see all of these. I go, wait a minute. Am I going to put a bunch of these in? Which of these plays is the best? It's a lot to consider here. Yeah, I think like something like Leon Lett, that was more – it's a great chase down, but I feel like you would think of him being a bonehead. Yes. For right. kind of yes. like, you know, doesn't he like hold the ball out yes, or he kind of yep. just like stops? Yep. So when I think about that play, I go, oh, you shouldn't do slow up for the end zone. Remember Leon Lett? Right. I'm never like, remember Don Beebe? Right. So that's kind of like, unfortunately, <laughs> that became his thing. Great point. The other ones, I mean, I don't know the Julio Jones one. I don't know. That maybe was a 1 p.m. game. I don't know. I think that has a big 
thing to do with it. Like everybody was watching this. Like the helmet catch, I'll bring it back. If that happened at 1 p.m. Right. On a Sunday, you're like, oh, that was kind of cool. Like there have been catches, crazy catches like that all the time. Right. Right. But it's because of the situation. And this wasn't the playoffs, but it was like everybody was watching. Great point. Uh, there's another one. I just want to play this. It's been so much fun to talk to you about this stuff. Watch this Adam Vinatieri chase down. Hold on. Let's watch this together. And here's Herschel Walker. Oh, he found the opening. Vinatieri is back. Walker inside the 40. It is a foot race. Vinatieri diving to hold him down. <laughs> That's Who, Adam Vinatieri chasing down Herschel, Herschel Walker. Walker. Yeah. Yeah, I heard. I heard uh, Adam Vinatieri played linebacker in college. D two is that true? I don't know. I made it I don't up. Know. But I, is... I heard that. I don't know. I did hear that. Adam Vinatieri, one of the best kickers of the best kicker of all the time. I, I love think. Right? You asshole. <laughs> Justin Tucker, <laughs> uh, one of the best. Come on, I love those old <laughs> light blue uniforms too. Those yeah. are the so bad. Right, just stays. censor all of this, Rob. <laughs> uh, it truly closes on him. It's it's really quite amazing uh, to watch. And then there's there's one more. Jason Baker, the punter, catches Leon Washington. Let's watch this one together. These are all fun. I don't know why. Chase down blocks are super exciting. You got to watch them all. Washington. Cuts it up. He's got some space. He's past the 30. The 40. Just the punter to beat. Leon Washington has gone not quite the distance as Baker trips him up and he is down at the one-yard you- line. You have one job if you're a kick returner or a running back or whatever. You cannot get tackled by the Can't kicker. do it. And that was a funny one. That was one where he really just went for a shoelace and just yes. stuck it out there. It was funny because he looked like he saw him and he didn't see him as a threat. Right. He's like, I'm clearly scoring. You're not going to get me. And then he just reached out and grabbed him. Really yeah, those agree. ones, that one, the Venetary one. Venetary one's great. The thing with the Venetary one is like, it's again, it's quick. It's like 5, 10, 15 yes. yards. It's yes. like, oh, he's going to get him. He's yeah. going to get him. Yep. The the DK Metcalf one yes, is like right. yeah, it's the right. it's the Godfather, it's dude. It's like this is yeah, still going on. It's a great point. I I, I do want to say that I didn't realize how exciting almost all chase down tackles are. They're really it is a chase scene. It's like a little mini chase scene. They're so much fun to watch. And that punter one, there's like just enough desperation for the guy to leap out and like swat at his ankle, and he knocks his foot to the <laughs> other foot. And then he the guy falls at the one yard line. It's just uh, it's just a tremendous play to watch. Just back to the Ben Watson thing. This is kind of this oh, is my hot take. Just my hot. Christ. This is my hot take. I formulated real quickly. If you could see Ben Watson on the corner of the yeah. in the corner of the screen, if you could yeah. see him the whole time, yes. I would say that's the greatest play of all time. Uh, the next credentials are X Factor. Everybody knows what an X Factor is. Mike, do you have an X Factor? Is there something to this moment that might be important here as we're weighing as we come to the finish line that we might weigh and decide is this thing in or out of the first ball Hall of Fame? I want to pitch you one. DK Metcalf and Buda Baker, great names. I know I talk yep. about names a lot, but everything that can matter will matter in the first belt hall of fame as we're deciding this. If this is some great play between Alexander Johnson tackling Mitch Trubisky, I think it loses <laughs> a little bit of steam, doesn't it? Takes a few MPHs off the old fastball. Oh, great play by Carson Wentz. This is DK and Buddha. I think that stuff matters. I love great names. We played a game on this show called Baseball Names. Mike, do you have any favorite NFL player names that you love? I love Dan Marino. 
Ooh. I think it, it feels aquatic. He's not a Miami guy, but I completely associate it with those perfect uniforms, Miami, South Beach, Dan Marino. I also feel like at least half of Joe Montana's success has to be attributed to his name. It's the coolest fucking name. If you were writing a TV show and you were like, my quarterback's name is going to be Joe Montana, you'd get <laughs> fucking notes from the network. They'd be like, get the fuck out of here. But that, it's just a phenomenal name. I really appreciate it. How about TJ Hushmanzada? Great name. It's a great name. Great name. It's a great name. Yeah, I feel like he, I just always remember that guy. I'd be like, oh, there he is, Hushmanzada. I'm, I'm, I don't know. You mentioned this early on. I think you're absolutely right. I'm starting right now. I'm doing it live on the show. I'm starting a name section to the first ballot hall of fame. And the first inductee uh, will be TJ Hushmanzada. <laughs> <laughs> you did it, Mike. That's great. You really Thank you. I'll take a, show. take a uh, writing, writing credit. It's gone, <laughs> it's gone on my resume. <laughs> Uh, you know nobody checks your credits you can just lie (laughs) mike as i look at the time i see we're running out of time it's we have we we just have enough time for one more segment here it's called more important have you have you heard more important on the show uh no i don't think perfect that's great perfect i prefer it that way i want to ask you one question here we go mike you're a comedian you work in comedy, you're making videos, but what are you doing for the kids, the youth of this country in this growing divided state full of violence, global warming? What are you doing to make this planet, this country safer and better for the, the younger generation? Well, you know, I just think about being a leader. Oh, I'm so sorry, you Mike. We don't have time for that. We gotta son move. of a bitch. We got to move on. It's time for more important. All of the questions I'm about to ask you are more important than that bullshit you were just talking about. And your, <laughs> qu- your answers to these questions will be more important as well. Here we go. It's more important. The music's already playing. The time, there's a clock. It's timing your answers. We got to move fast. We can't wait. Are you ready, Mike? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, here we go. What is your favorite soda? Uh, root beer. Oh, yeah. Is there a particular root beer that you like most? Uh, I don't know why I'm going to say A&W. Is no, that the, it's uh... great. It's so classic. <laughs> I can just see the, the can. I yes, can see the can. I was going to say yeah. the can, that brown. Yeah. It's fantastic. A great answer. You're starting off so well. Who, Mike, here's the next question. Who is your favorite Laker? Uh, Nick Van Exel. <laughs> oh, great answer. <laughs> two for two, Mike. Here we go. What's the funniest TV show you've ever seen? It can be, I'm going to give you time here. It can be off the weight of one episode. You like, you can be like, man, I saw this one episode of this thing. It's so funny. And so that's going to be my answer. Or you can go over the span of the 10 years or the five seasons or whatever it is. I'm going to say this is the funniest show I've ever seen. Um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Wow, Long, I mean, answer. seasons like two through ten are just unreal. They have that one where they do the game, like, and they like have like the questions, and they're pulling it off like a game, like it's like a game show. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, Charlie McSomething. I forget the name yeah, of the. I yeah, can't. yeah. Anyways, that episode is so good. It's so overrated. It's so funny. All right, here we go. We got to keep moving. Mike, how many? You're from Boston. How many fights have you, you been? <laughs> I'm not, oh, I'm not a fighter. I'm not a fighter. I'm a diplo- I'm a diplomatic guy. <laughs> I go if baby. I ever get if I ever get into something, I, then I turn it. I go, oh, what, what, we're gonna fight? Oh, come on, what are we doing here? Are we gonna fight? Come on. So I tried to stay out of those. Here's the last one. Who is the best '80s or '90s movie villain? Ooh, 
Um, the, the clock is ticking here. What oh, that thinking? guy. I can see him in my fucking head. Just name the movie. Describe him. I don't know. Somebody who goes against Jean-Claude Van Damme in any of those movies. Chong Lee? Are you talking Chong Lee and Bloodsport? The, like, no, Chong Lee, Chong Lee killed the people he had to kill, okay? He did what he had to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the dude who runs... Uh, we talked about the Karate Kid. The guy who's uh, John Kreese. Martin Kreese, Cole. Please? There we go. A great final answer. Martin Cole. Although when I was younger, I probably would have said Dolph Lundgren, so... Yeah, that was, was a, listen, a great answer. A great answer. Uh, I'm going to think of that guy after and send him to you. I'm going to email him to you. I appreciate it. See his face. The the next credential here is the cosine. Mike, this question is to you. And the question is, should DK Metcalf's chase down tackle of Buda Baker in this week seven matchup against the Cardinals and the Seahawks in 2020, a COVID game, bubble game, should it make the first ballot Hall of Fame and why? And I want to say something before you answer here. I'm so divided here. I'm going to say that you and I, Mike, need to agree. We need a perfect two-for-two lineup. It can't be you disagree and I agree. We have to have the same answer here. So the pressure is on. This wasn't your moment, Mike, but it now rests in your hands. You can here say no, and if you say no, then it doesn't matter what I say because it's not in. I don't offer this. This is the first time I've offered this, Mike. I want you to understand the weight of this moment. I want you to tell me whether you believe this should be in the first ballot Hall of Fame. Well, let me just say I don't want to. I don't want to negate Ben Watson's great play. Okay, so <laughs> please don't pit these against each other. But for just this play, for just this play, I do think it it belongs in the Hall of Fame. If you'd mention right now, if you say DK Metcalf, if you're a casual football fan or even a, a person who watches it regularly, you're gonna go, dude's ripped. Yeah. He's big. Yep. He's fast. Yep. And oh yeah, he chased down Buda Baker. Yeah. Everyone's gonna remember that. Yep. So will they remember it in ten years? I'm not sure. But because everybody was watching, because everybody was participating in social media, it was kind of like a big event at an award show. Right. You know, was it as big as Will Smith slapping Chris Rock? You know, I don't know. <laughs> but it it had that kind of thing where it was like, did you see that? Did you see that? Did That's you see right. that? The amount of posts I got tagged in. Right after this happened, right. being like, "Oh, you got to do this video, got to do this video." It was it was crazy, and because you can see the whole play, because Chris Collinsworth calls it out, because they break down how many yards he ran, how fast he ran it, because Buda Baker's mic'd up and goes, "Who the fuck was that?" It has this whole thing. This will be on NFL Films first ballot Hall of Famer. Not going to be the first induction, probably like the fifth speech of the day, but <laughs> I think it gets in. And uh, not to hedge, but I also think Ben Watson gets in. (laughs) (laughs) The next credential is the induction speech. That's when me, Neil, your host, gets to decide whether this thing goes into the first ballot Hall of Fame. And I told you, we got to agree here. Mike and I have to agree. Mike says yes. So it's on me. Here we go. This play is amazing, no doubt. Absolute zero stakes. Doesn't matter. It's one of the things we didn't talk about is DK Metcalf makes the tackle at like the three or something, right? The Cardinals don't get in. So the Cardinals come out on offense. They run four plays, don't score from the three yard line, and the Seahawks get the ball back. The Seahawks then go on a six play drive and score a touchdown. So it mattered in the moment, but the final score, they lost the game. And it was a week seven, it didn't matter. There were no stakes, but 
this play has nothing to do with sports. It's about will. You watch this goddamn play again. Go watch it again. Watch this guy turn on a dime at the one yard line, pick a lane, and just become a laser guided missile. Watch this guy like the goddamn predator just hunt down his prey. It's truly remarkable. It's remarkable. And I don't give a shit about the other test of time uh, entrance. I'm not putting fucking Ben Watson and his fucking <laughs> Boston bullshit, Mike Camerlingo fucking horse shit play. I'm not, that's not going in right now. It's just DK, DK Metcalf, Buda Baker. Congratulations on your chase down. First Bell Hall of Fame. It's a great play. You had me right there. I was getting nervous. <laughs> I would have felt like I didn't make my case if you went against it. I would have been like, oh, come on. I think I would have doubled down. And that's the that's the brilliance of those uh, first take shows. You really get into it, right? That's right. You you <laughs> did a great job adding to this. I think you're absolutely right. It's it's more than a sports moment. It was just shared experience. Everyone watching Sunday Night Football, watching the play live, experiencing it, talking to other people about it. It was it was it went past sports. It transcended sports, and and that's like that's a true X factor in the hall of fame here and and that's why i think this thing's ultimately in uh, i've never given someone the weight the responsibility everybody every other guest i've ever had i've been like who gives a shit what you think i'm coming over <laughs> the top here and laying putting this thing in or out uh so uh, i think you did a great job thank you for doing it thank you for being on the show uh i really appreciate it mike how can people follow you what can you plug what are you up to uh well thanks for having me this is a great time I had a lot of fun, and I'm gonna think of cool named football players later, and I'm gonna be real pissed about it. <laughs> uh, you can follow, you can check out all my videos at sixtysecondclassics.com. Uh, you can. I also have weird shit up there, like a, a friend's spec script where a Chandler does stand up, and it's just like a lot of stupid shit. So go over there if you want to waste some time. Uh, Sixty Second Classics podcast, and uh, Twitter is at mcameralingo. That's where I put all my videos. If you're on. If you're on there, TikTok is at 60 Second Classics. I post and ghost, baby. I can't get roasted by a 13-year-old. And Instagram is 60 Second Classics. So, uh, yeah, if you like movies and sports with a uh, with commentary from a man who got six to eight concussions playing high school football, then you'll like it. I think you'll enjoy it. <laughs> Mike, thanks for so much for doing this show. Yeah, thank you. That's it. That's the show. My thanks to Mr. Mike Camerlengo for coming on the show. My eternal thank you to Rob Arucci for being a partner in this and for editing the show. Jessica Seng produces every episode. Rhythm J makes the tracks. Follow him on social at Rhythm J. My shout out today goes to Justin Skomorowski. Thanks for listening to the show, my friend. And everyone here at First Ballot Organization can't wait to see all the work you're putting in as well. Stay up and work hard. If you listen to the show, please tell me on Twitter at First Ballot Pod or at Gotham underscore coach so I can thank you right here on the show. And one more thing, please come back next week for the First Ballot Hall of Fame podcast. You ran me to f*** down. <laughs>